Welcome back, all you wonderful tea lovers, to the Jasmine Dragon Tea Hour. I have the distinct privilege and honor, honor! to be your hostess for tonight, the first podcast of the new season. Joining me are our lovely tea servers, Doodle Lady and Bulletproof Teacup. For those of you joining us for the first time, let us introduce ourselves and tell you a little bit about this podcast. Doodle, why don't you start off with a little bit about yourself? Well, hello everybody again and welcome to our book two of the podcast. I'm super excited to be here. I'm Doodle Lady and I'm your resident fan artist and super excited about everything we have in store for you guys this season. Um, if you like doodles and, you know, a bunch of Zutara content, you can follow me on Tumblr and Instagram at Doodle Lady with an I. Yo, yo, losers, what's shaking? Just like book two of Avatar, this season is going to leave you all in tears. Whether that's good tears or bad tears, we've yet to find out. I'm Bulletproof Teacup, the Jasmine Dragon Tea Hour's resident shit poster, stick in the mud, and fever dream disaster. You can find my writing on Tumblr and AO3 under Bulletproof Teacup. And I am Ride Boldly Ride, otherwise known as Ride. And today I will be your hostess. I'm a writer, podficker, and aspiring voice talent. You, hey, yes, you, agent, hire me. You can find me screaming incoherently into the void on Tumblr and AO3 as Ride Boldly Ride, all one word, Instagram as ride.boldly.ride, and on Twitter as Tori underscore Gend. Now that we've told you a little bit about ourselves individually, let's get right into a little bit about this podcast. Before we get started, we need to give you a disclaimer. This podcast is made by and for Zutara shippers. All listeners are welcome, but we can't claim to be as impartial about other ships. We love all of Avatar The Last Airbender, but we are Zutara shippers through and through. And as such, if you don't ship it, you probably won't enjoy this podcast. And now that the hardcore Katang, Mako, and Zuka shippers are sharpening their pitchforks, let's get down to the glorious and expansive news. Teacup, you have the stage. Well, everybody, it's been a while since the Jasmine Dragon has been open for service, and while we were gone, the tea has been brewing and brewing and brewing. <sniffs> ah, slurp, slurp. Uh, oh, so. trigger warning, bitch. <laughs> Shut I up. mean, ooh. Shut up. We're not starting this off. I feel like I need to slurp better than that. That was not a good enough slurp. Oh, God. <laughs> Fucking mute me. Mute me. I quit. I'm out of this podcast. <laughs> this was fun, but. How does one slurp? They're slurping in my ears. <laughs> Shut up. I can't Doodle's slurp. Like, my good. Drop. Then my strategy is working. <laughs> I hope you choke, but like that you're okay. But I like like no, no harm. But I really like... will choke. <laughs> the eternal search for the perfect slurp. <laughs> oh God. Well, if your hoes were quiet, I can slurp in peace. <laughs> brewing and brewing and brewing. All right, all right. 
There's been good news, great news, and absolutely mind-blowing news. Let's start with the nice stuff. Most recently, Zutara Latin Week premiered on Tumblr. While there wasn't as much participation as we'd hoped, the ladies and I were nonetheless jazzed to see our Latinx peeps get some spotlight. Furthermore, the massive undertaking known as the Zutara Big Bang Project is currently in progress. For new listeners, or those who have spent perhaps a little too much time in the fog of lost souls with our homeboy Zhao, A Big Bang is a massive fandom project in which multiple artists, writers, and betas are grouped together. There was a fairly successful Avatar Big Bang last year, and another Zutara version is set to drop June 1st. As a participant, I will let you know that some of these projects are pretty wild and pretty delightful. There are over 60 projects in progress and more than 140 people participating in this epic fandom event. Projects drop June 1st. Don't miss out. Well, if you did kind of miss out um, on joining the Big Bang, but you still want to participate in fandom this year, consider Zutara Month. Our titular fandom event is occurring in April this year. Honest to God, though, guys, why do you always choose the busiest time of my year? <laughs> Not to roast oh, a little bit, men. but a- we love like- you guys. You guys are doing the Lord's work, but like, oh boy. Like, why do you why always... Why is it April? <sighs> no, like, I, I will be the last person to say that I... Like, I love Zutara Month. Like, I'm so grateful for it. But, like, it is it is a running theme. Y'all choose the wrong time. Anyway. 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 We love you, Even... though. Please continue doing all your work. But, yes, yeah. Please. Oh, my God. Never I would stop. love to participate. Why? Never stop. Never stop. All right. Even though I'm pretty much cursed by Zutara Month dates... Feel free to participate by creating any type of safe-for-work art or writing by April 1st, which is when it begins. As always, I wish you a Merry Zutara Month. Ho, ho, ho. Wink. If you're not really into participating through creations of your own, but you still want that sweet piece of Zutara merch, please take a look into the Atla cookbook zine. Titled Everything in Balance, this little treasure features more than 40-plus mouth-watering recipes, delectable illustrations, stories, and more. This zine will specifically feature 25 illustrations, 5 fix, and 42 unique recipes. Pre-orders will be open until March 20th. Hecka delish! Now, while that news would normally be pretty exciting, we've really got to address the 400-foot purple platypus bear with pink horns and silver wings in the room. In the last few weeks, there's been some pretty big Avatar news. Specifically, Viacom CBS has announced the creation of Avatar Studios. The press release states that Avatar Studios will create original content spanning animated series and movies. Now, The Verge reports that Bryke, aka Michael DiMartino and Brian Konetsko, for our noobs, Um, They will join Nickelodeon as co-chief creative officers of said Avatar Studios. Now, this is pretty mind-blowing because A, it means that we'll be receiving new Avatar content sometime in the future, and B, it really raises the question of whether this was the reason Bright left the production of the Netflix live-action show. Now, we'll circle back to this question later on, but ladies, what are your thoughts on Avatar Studios? Um, there are no comics embossing say, uh, is basically my thoughts because if, okay, if they are continuing the Avatar thing, I want book four. I want this alleged book four that we never got, that got to expand, where we get to see all this stuff, but 
I don't know. I am hesitant about it because it depends what writers are going to be at the helm, what content they're going to be putting out, um, what they're going to do with the characters. Because while I do have a, like, a special love for Legend of Korra and what happened there, I think that personally they kind of butchered a lot of the original characters. And I don't know. I'm cautiously optimistic that like... I don't know that something like that doesn't happen. So I don't know. It's yeah, I I I I can't fault you or disagree with you on that. The I'm interested to see how much they're going to be able to play with the original characters because if you know, the, of course, there's a rumor going around that um, that Netflix owns the original series, which means the original characters, which means Break won't be able to play with them. Meaning it is left up to Netflix to, you know, treat them right. Mm -hmm. But if that's the case, and we're not going to see OG characters, because, I mean, they were very specific in the release that they were going to be dealing with the Avatar-verse, not so much with Aang. Mm. So we might be seeing other Avatars. We might be seeing the in-between times. Ooh, we might Kiyoshi. see early Korra. I will be happy to see mm -hmm. Kyoshi. Mm -hmm. She's a bad same, bitch. Same. Well, I let me step happy. in here for a second and just remind our new listeners and those of us that are new to the fandom. So one of the reasons why a lot of shippers are pretty salty about this is um, there was a general consensus, especially in the Zutara fandom, about how Katara was treated through the Legend of Korra. A lot of people felt that she was minimized and there was um, some pretty strong sexist undertones, AKA like we never saw her, she had no roles. And so there's a lot of, there's a general fandom sense um, and worry about how Bright will continue to treat, um, you know, very beloved characters. Like personally, I've I've gone on to rants about how epic Bright are at setting stories up and like they, they write are. really yeah they do really great world building they're excellent but they are completely terrible at executing said characters i mean and like, that's could, okay like yeah. that's the like the thing is it's like that i mean at least my personal opinion is that there's a these are team projects for a reason because everybody pitches in what they're best at like mm -hmm. yeah Bryke is they're amazing world builders. I fully admit we would not have Avatar, the like the world, without them. But we also wouldn't have had the characters that we grew up with and love to this day without everybody else that worked on it. All the writers that worked so hard, the e causes sure. who wrote some of the most iconic redemption arcs <coughs> that I have Tara. ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cough, cough. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> but to expand on your point, like, yeah, Katara was definitely a doormat in Legend of Korra, but they also did Aang, their beloved main character, so dirty. Like, oh, for sure. Like oh some saltier of like, I don't think Aang would have like neglected his kids and like favorited one of them. I, and, and second of all, I don't think Katara would have let that happen. Like, you yeah. kidding me? That woman would have dragged him out by his ear and promptly used waterbending just to make sure he understands just what she meant. Yeah. There's no way she would let that that one guy, you just know, just get away with it. her kids. Right. Come they on. they so come on. They totally did Katara dirty. And 
you know, like, so that is to kind of address why um, maybe here on this podcast, we're not quite as upbeat as um, many other people in the fandom are. Because I, I mean, I've seen a lot on Instagram about how jazzed people are. But personally, as like a fandom grandma, I was kind of just like, all right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those like, you know, you kind of sit back and go, well, let's see how long this will last. Because you just, you just can't quite tell. Because if they do it by themselves... I hate to say it, but look at the first season of Korra. While it had some really cool concepts and really cool ideas, the storytelling aspects of it fell flat. And that's just somebody coming in as an adult watching it. And then I started watching the credits and realized that Bryke pretty much single-handedly wrote the first season. So it's suddenly you go, okay, that explains some of these major characterization flaws that they just couldn't miss the right notes yeah they, they missed the right notes on these stories and these characters mm-hmm. and instead you had flawed characters that could have been really interesting that just were not addressed they were not handled because they didn't have the right team with them right that the original avatar did and that's where this this where this like, like you said we kind of this borderline skepticism kind of hoping that it's going to be good but or yeah, the first five episodes will be epic, and then we'll just go through the same thing with the... Re- like, Korra was simultaneously an amazing and awful experience. You know, the first half mm-hmm. of the season, building up, building up, loving almost every episode, loving the the arcs and the characterizations and the fighting scenes, and then only to inevitably fail in the season finale, and I just kept yep. hoping it would get better. It was almost like an abusive relationship, man. It never got better. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, like, I, like, okay, like, you can totally call me out if I'm not correct on correct on this one because it's just stuff that I've skimmed through on the interwebs. Um, but I know that there was like a lot of back end like production and like budgeting stuff that they had to deal with with Legend mm-hmm. of Korra that like. Like, obviously, we we take into account that it's not just writers and animators and stuff like that. It's producers and the money and the viewership. For sure. Like, there's a lot of stuff where I'm like, maybe they just didn't have an opportunity to do so because they're restrained by something else. Like, like we as consumers won't necessarily know about. Um, Because it's like, I know um, if anyone uh, watches Hello Future Me, which is a, a really amazing YouTube channel that I recommend um and they do uh amazing like in-depth analysis of world building and they have an amazing video comparing like how they set up i get conflict well the big bad guy in the original avatar versus legend of korra which is like they had one main bad guy through mm-hmm. three seasons in avatar but in korra they had like one bad guy every season so everything's so sped up like it so it's just a different way to drive plot and sometimes it's not ex- successful for character building so i don't know i have feelings <laughs> and i will say though i will say though that uh cora was n- notorious for getting uh shafted by nickelodeon like at one point they were taken off the air you know they had every episode go online they had bad time slots like like yeah i mean for sure Bright had their you know, their task cut out for them. So, I mean, we do have to take that into account. And and again, like, we are super oh, yeah. grateful for their effort in creating this amazing series, both Korra and Avatar. 
but you know that uh, definitely i don't think uh we can necessarily create uh, separate the creators from justified criticisms and i'm only hoping that they take that criticism and you know make what comes in the future better because i'll definitely continue watching like i'm i'm stuck with this but uh, yeah I just hope it doesn't end up like the Doesn't comics. mean I won't complain the whole way. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. would we be truly fangirls and in a fandom if we did give criticism in some way? Season three, Zuko, all I'm the watching way. this, but you don't make me like this. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, awesome. Uh, let's go ahead and continue. <laughs> Thank you for your input, ladies. So now that we've dispensed with the niceties, let's address what is perhaps the best tea in the room. The Avatar fandom in general has been rife with rumors since the moment a live-action show was announced in 2018. Can you ever believe we were so young? Oh, now and within six feet. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Now, I actually touched people. Uh, people okay. saw no. below my nose. No, we're not having this conversation. Uh, not much is known about the project beyond the fact that Bryke ended up leaving the production late last year. Now, we've received uh, reporting recently from the Illuminati that the live-action show has found a new showrunner, Albert Kim. Now, we haven't found a way to confirm this, but the article by Illuminati was picked up by Screen Rant, so maybe there is some truth in this. Albert Kim is known for his work as a writer on Leverage and Nikita, followed by uh, co-producing positions on both Nikita and Sleepy Hollow. Now, Leverage has been a longtime fave of mine, and this could mean that our beloved live action is in good hands. I second that about Leverage there, Teacup. That is top shelf stuff right Oh, there. yeah. Oh, yeah. Leverage is life, but Sleepy Hollow was a hot mess, and we all know it. Yeah, I can't, can't argue with you there. Yeah, I mean, it had a good, it had good potential at the beginning. And Oh, wait, Sleepy Hollow. Is it? Oh. Oh, God. I vaguely remember watching something. Doodle, you are so young but, and so sweet and so... Per- so that's okay. It's so small. <laughs> just, 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 yeah, just, just, just stick with that of vaguely remembering that you watched a couple, in a okay? Big, in a big world. <laughs> Please. It, it was terrible, okay? Like, that's on my top <laughs> list of shows that broke my heart. Yeah. yeah. I know I've watched this. Yeah. Oh, you have. You have. Oh, oh. You'll, you'll, ha- you'll have PTSD when you look back. <laughs> and Selfie. Oh, you guys ever watch Selfie? I can't say I have. Oh, you should. You should find it. It's only got like half or the beginning of a first season, but like the main character, I, gosh, I don't know his name, but he played Hikaru Solo in uh, the recent Star Trek. What's his name? Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, goodness. He's yeah, amazing. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I know who you're talking about. Oh, yeah. he's amazing. Beautiful man. <laughs> but um <laughs> he's in that opposite of um and again i ha- who am i with names she played um she was in doctor who and in avengers you're not talking like amy pond uh uh yes uh, 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 yes crud oh, yes i can't remember her name I'm sure uh, I'm sure we'll remember this later and put it in our post. But yes, they were basically romantic. <laughs> they were they were the romantic pairing, and it was it was fire. Yeah, I would see that. I could see that being a good pairing. It, it was fire. Yeah, both of those actor, fire. that actor and actress are you know 
top chef as well. <laughs> oh yeah, they're so talented, so amazing. Anyway, 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 sorry. <laughs> the Illuminati <laughs> also dropped an extra bombshell, which is really what we're all here for and what everyone is still listening for. So they suggested that the ages of Sokka and Katara would be reversed for the show, indicating that Sokka would be 14 and Katara would be 16. Now, I've got really strong feelings about this, but let's hear from the ladies before we get any further. Oh my god, I bet. Okay, contain yourself, but uh, you know what? I will I will let I will let Ride go first. You're so nice. You're so I nice. I was to being each other. polite and letting yeah, you was, go doodle. I, like, <laughs> I went first. We're all last just screaming time. inside. And we're gentlemen here, so you you first. <laughs> Gentle no, women, no, no, excuse you. you. No. Gentle. <laughs> Okay. All right. Fine. Me then. Um, okay. So I'm with Teacup on this one. I also have pretty strong feelings about this. Um, mostly good, I think. Like, I think it makes sense to age them up a little bit um, or at least switch the ages. Katara was basically the mom to everybody anyway. And a, she was a very mature character, somebody who has to grow up super fast. Um, so I think... I think it makes sense. I don't think it would be a huge detriment to her character. And I don't think making Sokka younger would change his character either. Because he can still be, like, the man of the house. Like, that still aligns with, you know, um, his whole, well, that character trait of his. Like, he's still going to be the protective brother. And he's still going to be, like, silly. And um, I think the only time it might be a little strange is, like, when when Sokka is, like, actually further on in the story and he is, you know, coordinating war stuff, like, strategies and stuff like that. I think that might be the only time it might get weird because he's 14, uh, but maybe, I don't know, like... See, see, this is where I get really upset, and I'm sorry I'm cutting you off, but, like... Oh, no, go ahead. This, like, on one hand, I really like the idea of making them all older. Like, I agree, but I feel like... By making Sokka the younger brother, it's really cutting out a lot of his arc. So one of the really interesting things about their, you know, about them being brother and sister and from the Water Tribe are these, you know, underlying themes of what masculinity and femininity Mm -hmm. are in their cultures and in their tribe. And, and so for Sokka, there's so much of that, like, what being manly means to him and how he redefines it, like the arc that he has with Suki and realizing that you can be a girl and be strong and, you know, taking charge and being confident and about Katara in finding strength, despite, you know, the fact that the North wants her, you know, the Northern Water Tribe wants her to be a healer. And, and so I feel like I worry that if they reverse these ages, they are going to, they're really going to subvert some of those. And so here's my humble suggestion for the showrunner who I'm sure is listening to me. You guys just make them <laughs> twins. Yeah. Make them Albert, twins. It Mr. works. Mr. Kim. Mr. Wait. Kim. <laughs> yes. Uh, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Kim, please. Please make them twins. Let's, let's do a Star Wars thing here. Come on. Just make them twins. It will work. Like, everything will balance out. Okay. Why are they not hiring me? Anyway, I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like Speak. either either twins or if they spread out the show over a longer time period. So that like we do get to see Sokka being Just sixteen. Make Aang younger than both of them. Keep him at twelve, but age them both up, you cowards. That's uh, okay. There, there you go. There, okay, you know. well there's okay. that's that's another can of worms that will open momentarily. Oh, see, n- no 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 no. Or, see that, that that's where I'm ride. going right now. I'm ride. going right can now. Can opener. With that. Get the can opener. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
So that honestly, I, I, I agree with both of you guys because I do sit there and see that uh, Katara does really well as an older character. But I also feel like I think they just need to move them all a little bit further along, except for Aang. Aang needs to keep his age. Aang needs to stay that 12 because that's the whole point of Aang's character. He has to be this younger, um, uh, slightly immature, still has to come to grips with reality and life because he ran away. And that's not something a 18-year-old really does. That's not something a 20-year-old does. That's a 12-year-old. That's... Uh, Ride at 12 was writing, you know, running away, runaway letters to my parents because I, you know, <laughs> I, I didn't You'll like what they gave me for dinner me. that night. Exactly, exactly, exactly. You know, so can I blame Aang for running away? No, he was 12. But you got to keep and him And had a sky bison. I mean, come on. Who wouldn't at the sky bison? Psh peace out man but that's that's a being a 12 you know that's a kid at 12 that makes sense (laughs) 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 you can't see it but i'm doing finger guns yeah okay but at the same token token, Uh, i feel like like uh, Sokka and katara having that dynamic can be really important for them because Sokka, especially with suki you know i'm a big uh, you know, Sokka fan. So I really want to see the Sokka Suki relationship. And as that's the mm-hmm. case, them being at, him being at fourteen, they'd have to bring Suki down to fourteen, and then that starts getting a little odd. So I feel like if they're going to do that, if they're going to switch ages. They at least need to be older. If they're not going to switch ages, they need to be older. So to me, the solution is just moving everybody older. I really, that I really feel like if that's no matter what you do with the dynamic, the ages need to be different, because. And this is me speaking as somebody who came into this fandom and watched the show as an adult. Yeah. So me, the live action, being older, having a little bit more, maybe grit to it. I'm not going to sit there and say, I want to see gratuitous sex and violence in, in the new live action. Although granted, yeah, disclaimer again, guys, this is all rumors. We don't know if this is confirmed yeah. that they're going to, that they're going to switch the ages, that they're not. It's just speculation that we want to, you know. Address. Uh, have a delightful conversation about. I personally um, it's think even. it's BS. Yes. I think it's I think it's BS. I like there's like it it just invalidates so many character arcs. I don't you'd have to be an idiot to do that. Like you really would Or or be willing to really change the story to make it work better. So you yeah. would have to change certain dynamics at that point. So if they're gonna tag Bye. They have to, no, well yeah, no. well that would definitely kick yeah. Katang way yeah, like, out, man. The thing is is like yeah, that one of my first thoughts when it was like Katara's gonna be sixteen, and I'm like, okay, that's cool. I think that could potentially work, but that is almost one hundred percent torpedoing Katang, like because I'm of the humble opinion that the reason Katang didn't look so weird on screen was because it was an animation, so they could, you know, you can get away with different things in animation than you can with real actors the difference the physical and mature maturity difference between a 12 year old 14 and 16 is humongous when you're talking about like actual human beings so um yeah i don't know i think that would definitely be an indicator that that's not the direction they're going um Mm -hmm. again this is not me like being like oh my god they're making zutara canon i don't think so this is just like in they're gonna torpedo brain, Katang. <laughs> in my in my brain, like it just it doesn't Fingers make any crossed. sense that they're Fingers going a- they're going after the the whole like yeah, he, Ang just has a crush on a pretty older lady. Like 
Which and that's they it. do that. I'm sorry, yeah, 12 year old boys do that. I had a kid that yeah. was had a crush on me when I was, you know, significantly older. You know, he was a kid. Yeah, you, know, you just you go, okay, you know it. You know, if you're the, 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 the person that's watching this kid have a crush, you go, oh, honey, you'll outgrow oh, it. <laughs> Walk yeah, away. Yeah, you're oh. cute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think that could be you know, great. Honestly, I think that could be great for, you know, uh, Aang's arc, but I don't know, guys. Is this, I is don't this know. when I it's... say that I really hope that if they do this, if they decide to age up the characters, they take some more um, real-time storyline plot telling. So mm-hmm. instead of it being like everything's done within three to four months or six to eight months, we're looking at a ye- couple years. We're looking yeah. at these characters having to go through some serious metamorphosis over, you know, three years. Three books, mm-hmm. three years. That makes sense. And if I that's mean, the yeah. case, then we're going to see these characters actually grow. We're going to start and see Aang get over a kid childhood crush because – he was a kid, you know. We're gonna see mm-hmm. Katara come into her own as a woman instead of just being and a kid. And succumb mm-hmm. to her never-ending love for, for the Zuko. Fire Lord Zuko. Zuko. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And exactly, end up you know. in the arms of... I mean, to be honest, if I was a Netflix executive, I would pitch the lovers to, you know, enemies, enemies to, lovers to lovers because I, that's hint, I, hint. a lot of people vibe with that. But, that's you know, okay, I know, okay. pipe dream, okay. but, like, sue No, me, no, no, I, actually... I hate to say this, Doodle, you're not so far off. Because this is one thing that I don't know if you guys have noticed or not. But this particular director, if he is in fact the one for it, is known for being really successful at pulling off the enemies to lovers trope. <sighs> just True please that. stop fanning. That. Please stop fanning the flames. Just saying. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just all, right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's been fun. But we've got to make like the gang and get the heck out of Bossing Say. You can find but the I links to. But I want to keep talking hey, about how Zutara might be canon. No, stop. You okay, can find okay. the links to our article sources in the Tumblr post on the JDT Hour blog. And uh, if I don't add this right, it's going to launch me into uh, outer space. If you've got a question, suggestion, or comment for us, feel free to send us a message. We accept asks on Tumblr. DMs on Instagram and Twitter, or if you're really bougie, send us an audio recording on anchor.fm. We may just choose to feature you. Who knows? And that's the news. So uh, don't let the door hit you on the way out. Ride? Thank you for keeping us all abreast of the latest goings-ons on the fandom. I know we could have spent <laughs> a lot longer on all of that. In fact, <laughs> I could spend a lifetime on yeah. this conversation. Pants to the next episode, dead. We say we were we were already heading towards that pretty solidly. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so there's definitely been a lot to talk about since we last saw you. But now we get to go into the theme of today's episode. So for many years, the Zutara fandom has long favored the divergence paths from canons. I mean, after all, who can blame us after what canon handed us in the last few minutes? <laughs> Forever, Tokido. Can, you, can uh, you get that three minutes of screen time spawned this whole entire thing? Um, <laughs> we're so, so salty so about three minutes, three minutes of screen time. <laughs> <laughs> like three minutes give us 30 years we will make this right yeah anyway. <laughs> little did i know that these three years would change or these three minutes would change my life forever there you go <laughs> <laughs> so so while the book three divergent stories definitely work at trying to correct those three minutes 
and they are <laughs> proliferate and expansive. This phantom is especially unique and especially intrigued by earlier AUs. As such, we feel it only appropriate on the eve of our own book two to focus on the special subset of AUs that peel off from the canon earlier, these book one and book two divergent AU pieces. So haven't you ever wondered what would have happened if it was Zuko lost with Katara in the cave of the two lovers? Or how different would it have been if Zuko had been captured by the gang during the invasion of the North? Spicy. What if Katara had wandered into the Jasmine Dragon? And stayed. Read my fanfiction. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, but for uh, like a warning though for us, uh, people who only read safe for work, don't read my fanfiction. <laughs> yeah. Unless you want to cry. <laughs> Sorry, we don't <laughs> like men here. So shameless M-only. self, shameless self plug. Keep going. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. We accept all kinds of ratings. We love all types of authors. Yes, we are accepting here. Unlike Zutara Month. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell teacups a little salty? Anyway, <laughs> I, I love you guys. I love you guys. But your your safer work rule is a forever as. Ah! A thorn in her side. It's an no thorn comments. In teacup no side. comments. Come fight me. <laughs> it's meant to be ex- inclusive. I was going to say exclusive. Hey, inclusive, hey, no, no. We've had but this it's... conversation before, and you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's okay. We'll, we'll, we can still be a little salty, even though we love them. So yeah, we love them. We send all our love. All of our love. Like I, it's begrudging you love. Work. It's begrudging love at this point. You do, you do, you do the good work of the Lord, but like, come on, guys, add some spice. (laughs) We just need to have, you know, change had like an extra NSFW Sutara month somewhere in there. Like we don't know. There used to be. There (laughs) used to be. There used to be. Smut week. Yes, Mm -hmm. there was. Occasionally, I still find the little tendrils across the internet of people yeah. reblogging that, you know, Tumblr hasn't quite caught up to yet. And I will say, they are delicious. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But we don't talk about that, and let's continue. Nope. nope. Yes. So tonight, we will focus on some of those fan-created divergence, both in our featured story, as well as our featured art. As a special treat, tonight, after our serial snippet you'll get to hear one of our first audio messages from one of our listeners in the first season. So we're looking forward to hearing from you. And like Teacup mentioned, we want to hear more. Yes, more. please. Our our love language is words of what? Words of what? What's the thing? Words of approval? Words of encouragement? Encouragement. Of encouragement. Love. Words oh, adoration. of... Adoration. <laughs> yeah, yeah, adoration, love, all the above. There you go. I mean, I mean, but for those of you who do want to fight me, anchor.fm, let's go. There you let's go. have at it. Let's have at it. My new section could use some more material. <laughs> Teacup's ready to take on some uh, <laughs> some personal wars and battles. Okay, but we'll no, I, Don't you I, worry. I am sensitive and I cry easily. So, so like, please be nice. <laughs> Start the war, but 
be nice, please. Gently. Send, send anyway. a card. Send a card first. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> a heart. You know, we, we take heart-shaped cards. Okay. I they would soften like to the blow a little. Yeah, very, as per oh. my last oh. email. <laughs> <laughs> Passive-aggressiveness. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh, but yes. anyway, so anyway. first, let's ask our um, first divergent question of the evening that we're really going to get down to. Oh, yes. What if the blue spirit and the painted lady crossed paths pre-bossing say? Mm-hmm. And what happens when they realize they aren't so different after all? Ooh. That is going to be answered in our featured fic picks. Before we get heavily into that discussion, let's put out our warning. <laughs> we sure do have a lot of these. This will not be a spoiler-free discussion. Please do not be upset. If you don't take time to read the story before we review it, I, for one, will not be holding back of my gushing or any of the spoilers. So if you haven't, go read this amazing, absolutely beautiful story and leave some love in the comments for them. All right, now that that's out of the way, let's get reviewing. So today in Fic Picks, we chose a classic. This one is Rumor Has It by Fiction is Social Inquiry. If you haven't read it, where have you been? Anyway, so let's go ahead and get on into the author summary. The author summary reads as, The blue spirit begins appearing in proximity to rumors of the painted lady. She cleans a polluted well and the sickness it caused in a tiny coastal town. The very same night, a crate of rice and cured meat wrapped in flame-embossed bamboo appears by the well. Valleys of sword strokes and kisses of ash adorn the rough pine crate. It is said the blue spirit is hunting the painted lady, or that he's under her spell. In a way, both are true. Now, before we get into our reviewer's summary, I do want to make a small little um, announcement about this particular story. First off, this is an M-rated story. It's for both uh, relatively mild violence, as well as some mild smut. Since this is within the canon timeline, the ages are as they are in the show. This means that, yes, they are underage. However, the smut is relatively mild and easily skippable, as the author points out in her own notes as to where and when those actual events occur. Uh, We will not be discussing those scenes in our podcast tonight. Now, that out of the way. I am going to go ahead and scream into the void about this. This story was one of the first I read coming into this fandom, and boy did it set a precedent. This story is designed in small drabbles, making it really easy to digest, but really difficult to put down. When I reread this story for the podcast just now, it it was just as much of a challenge to put down as it was the first time round. The divergence in the story is near the beginning of book two, when we see the blue spirit take on a more prominent role in Zuko's life. We also see the arrival of the painted lady about a book or so ahead of schedule. This lends to an easy alliance on Katara's part and a not-so-easy decision on Zuko's, as he comes to the realization of who this painted lady is. Now, ladies, we got a chance to read this literally within the last day or so. So, (laughs) first off, 
Divergence. What did you guys think about where this story led off? Where did it where it diverged from the canon? Well, well, I will let you know of like one divergent, maybe not from the story, but from like our podcast. Like we all managed to actually read this story this time, and like I need to toot my own horn here because uh, you know she finally did her homework. I did my homework. I like not only did my homework, I read the whole thing. I'm like I should be embarrassed, yeah, but I'm actually really proud of myself about this one. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, any anyway, you know what? We're proud of you. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Shut up. (laughs) Yeah, you guys are haters. Anyway, anyway, I was like, I was like so um, intrigued by the divergence in this story. There was so much of it, right? doodle my goodness well i did not read the story in the last 24 hours but i have read it about 67 different times so (laughs) i don't i didn't think i need to this time to read it the day before um yeah i i read this story for the first time a while a while back and it's one of those yeah stories that just captivates you so well and that i think did such such an iconic like job at interweaving the canon with the diverging path while not making it repetitive because it again this happens at the same time the show technically happens but you're getting like this whole new perspective of the story and none of the moments feel like repeated or copy and pasted from the show um i think yeah, it's just amazing, and I think uh, Fiction is Social Inquiry did an amazing job with it. Oh yeah, like, like for sure. We've we've like tried to read certain fics and just had to throw them out for that reason. It's it's a hard thing to do. It seems like writing a canon divergent fic while keeping true to canon and changing it. It seems like it should be an easy thing, but it's actually a really particular balance, and I think Fiction and Social Inquiry did a really, really good job with it. I would agree. In fact, Doodle, I think you were the one who originally told me about the story, recommended the story to me. I am the original source of infection, Uh, (laughs) and and my plan is to make everybody read this story. (laughs) (laughs) As you should. It is definitely worth that. It was, uh, you know, it's really interesting when you look at how the plot um, led into a very somewhat difficult subject and dealing with good versus bad. What really is good versus bad? Because we all know the, the main story, you know, Fire Nation bad and everybody else good. And yet, of course, Avatar subserts, subs, you know, subverts, subverts that some, to some degree. Um, no matter what. But this fic really takes it a whole nother level. Okay, so to, yeah, expand on, like, the whole good versus bad and, like, creating that gray area, which not only did this story do, but the show itself was amazing at creating this, well, more like shattering the illusion of, like, the world is black and white and this is right and wrong. Um, that that doesn't really exist and if it does it's in very rare circumstances but most of the time it's things are not as they seem Um, so I have this really cool bit that I just love from the story and it's from halfway through chapter 12 and it's called uh, coming together again part two Um, and it reads as follows war makes murderers of matchstick makers and thieves of teachers and tailors 
the men robbing the vulnerable and isolated, the victims of displacement, are not monsters. These are people with families who are on the brink of starvation. They have hungry mouths with wide-pained eyes that are never full. Their skin shows bone. Their faces are gaunt. And this war will never, ever end. These men are victims of circumstance, but they are no less dangerous because of that. And I just, uh, I had to pause like the first time. I still pause every time I read that thing because it's, mm -hmm. there's no better summary for it's like deep. the entire Avatar universe and this story of like, this is people, this is just the fault of the environment they're in, but it doesn't change anything at the end of the day. And I, yeah, it's just, oof. That's deep. Well, that you would take that that that, that phrase, and you really apply it to any of the characters that are those gray areas. You know, you look at Hama, you know, and then you compare it to the opposite, and you look at um, the the Zhenghui, the the city in the middle of it all. These people that should be opposite as the world. You think you know good bad, and yet they subvert that subvert that with that, and that's really what that when you're talking about that quote that she really did pin that kind of feeling in that quote to me. Well, what I think sets fiction and social inquiry apart in terms of writing and in terms of her story, I think Avatar both benefits and, I guess, is limited by the fact that it is a kid's show. And I think Rumor Has It really takes that concept of war and what it really means and also the dichotomy of good versus evil and kind of just elevates it. Like, we're having a more adult conversation of what it means to be good or bad in a time of war. Like, um, Katara's relationship with Hama and the effects of becoming a bloodbender. She deals with that in the story and sometimes not in a way that we would necessarily approve of or necessarily the Avatar universe. Like, we all know that later on in The Legend of Korra, you know, bloodbending was super duper evil, but I think that Rumor Has It really kind of balanced that line and, and kind of had a really informed adult conversation about it. So I think it had a lot of what I really liked in Avatar, but just kind of elevated. They made it spicy. <laughs> yeah, definitely yeah, more. They did. More of what was already there because I think Avatar doesn't never shied away from those darker topics they just never dwelt into the in the gore of it um which obviously yeah, they didn't show they all that it's a kid to be honest they really couldn't show. yeah yeah it which yeah. they it it's not there and you can't they tried that with cora and it and it flopped yeah quite you can't you only pick it up now as a as an adult when you watch the show um but yeah like you like you said teacup it it was like um the author really just elevated it and and dwelled in yeah. those more gritty details um things and details that you might have not that i think appreciated. are yeah appreciated and i think they're mm -hmm. they're kind of they are canon compliant i i i see these characters reacting oh, yes. this way under these circumstances i see katara having that struggle mm -hmm. and i see zuko understanding her struggle and not being kind of afraid of this I guess part of her that she kind of wants to I don't know it's a very conflicting situation throughout the entire story where Katara can't accept her bloodbending but then does and I love that I think that mm -hmm. makes yeah. the struggle a lot more 
um, real. Well, that's well, you usually see that that combination. That's kind of a thing for fiction, a social inquiry. I mean, when you look at her other stories, Mending Wounds. It, it she does the same thing. She lingers in that gore. She lingers in that. This is what actually happens here. So she does a really awesome job of of highlighting the realities versus what you know the, the somewhat sanitized version that we are we have to learn we have to see when we're watching a kid show right right and and I think the point is to to go back to Katara and why she struggles with it so much because she does have that inner moral voice that we do get from the show that we do get from Aang and fiction is social inquiry is kind of like well that's not super realistic. You know, it like her mindset does not necessarily reflect the world around her, which is enforced in the kids' show. I mean, as it should be, I guess it is for children. But um, yeah, well, it, we see her. It, it's really interesting because you see that that resolution that she has and how it connects with the side plot that they put into the story. It's it's the completely one that she created, and. You see this, you know, we were normally there would be the Southern Raiders and they would have gone and tried to find Yan-Ra. And that was, that addressed some of Katara's bigger emotional turmoils. But this one really addressed her coming to terms with who she was and what she could accomplish and where she was really going to draw her line versus where society said the line needed to be drawn. And that's, I think that was a very interesting way of addressing it by having this side plot that they had to resolve that had started back at the beginning, back when they first decided they were going to go after bad guys together and, and yeah. what falls from there. And I think yeah. like not only like that theme permeated the entire story because it wasn't just with um, Katara's bloodbending or showing bloodbending um, in a more gray area, but also the fact that um, they didn't like Katara didn't know that that was Zuko for a lot for like the first chunk of the story because it was a way for these two characters or at least for Katara well both of them to get to know each other without the baggage that ca came along with their you know their titles their identities that they they both knew so I think that that was a really great tool to kind of unravel the story that, that Katara is more conflicted when she finds out that the blue spirit is Zuko. I, th I think, I think that that added that extra layer. Well, to interrupt yeah. you, there's a point where she says, it's, it's like you killed my friend. Oh, I, yeah. I remember that I line. It. That was an amazing. Oh, line. Yeah. That was like, oof, was oh, like oof. yeah, because it, it brings it, it brings such great conflict of like, okay, here's what I know to be true. And it turns it completely on its head for the characters. And so, and then it, you end up with this amazing, amazing story and amazing friendship that eventually turns into, uh, spoiler alert, romance. <laughs> oh. Are we really surprised? Yeah. Are we? Are we? Although, you know, the ending, I was like sitting there at the last God. chapter going, this is the stupidest <sighs> thing I've ever read. And then the last <sighs> chapter, she resolved it. And I was like, all right, you can stay, but all you're right. thin ice. You guys don't understand. <laughs> I read this as it was being written. So, like, I had to sit with that first ending and just exist in it and be like, 
I guess, I guess, yeah, I don't need a soul. That's fine. It, it can be crushed. It's fine. Oh, no, I was so <laughs> mad. I was so mad. Like, hey, fiction is social inquiry. Like, like spoiler alert, she is a friend of the podcast. Like, we do like her. Um, but I will say, I will say that is that is the only thing I really had any um, any issue with. Like, why you got to draw it out like that? Why, like, why you got to, like, I have, like, so many, like, like, oh, my gosh, thoughts about it. Like, I thought it was really cool how it was about diverting diverting destiny but Zuko still got sucked into like the needs of his homeland like I thought that was really cool but also the basic teacup was also like you ho you ho <laughs> how dare you how that dare you so true because that that that's the don't worst you. part though I love you that, by the like, way fiction is social inquiry I love you don't kill me Sorry. yeah Keep that going. that was the worst do. part because like as a reader you're like yeah this makes sense this checks out but fuck you anyway <laughs> <laughs> or I mean, screw you anyway. Are we allowed to Honestly, say fuck on this podcast? Just... Yes, we can. You yeah, can. Yeah. You can. Like, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. That's the worst part. Is that like it made sense, and I found it so interesting that um, it was Katara being the hopeful one. Sometimes they don't in stories. They make out Katara to be the negative Nelly that wouldn't think it work would work out, but it makes sense with her character because she is all about hope and like believing in the best so yeah she would be the one being like how do you know that it wouldn't work out and then <laughs> when so and he's awful. like oh it no they're not gonna accept <laughs> i just know honey <laughs> yeah her characterization was on point like even though i disagree like i totally understand why she had to have that caveat with having the michael relationship and then you know segueing into zutara like i get it and i agree with it but i was still salty Mm-hmm. I really appreciated the the especially because it was a lot to pack into those last two chapters. Um, I appreciated the capacity for acknowledging that people can have more than one feeling at a time, especially in that scene where Katara is recounting how um, May died and um, how guilty but relieved she felt at her death. And then guilty because she felt relieved. And it, again, fiction and social inquiry is amazing at writing these complex emotional states um, that can exist in one person at the same time. Because that, that is how it happens. People can be happy and sad at the same time, excited and scared. So I think uh, for her to write these characters so well and so thoroughly ah it just i got no words well hats off sis yeah we we yeah that really goes back and actually moves on to what we were going to talk about next was a little bit more about how her writing is and that really goes it's a tell of how she is she stays true to this character that even when it hurts even when it's things that we don't you want to have happen to the character she stays true, true to them so they they have to go through what they have to go through. It, it makes logical sense, even if it's not what we want. And that's that's some devotion, man. Because there are times where you're like, listen, I'm the one writing it. I want it this way. Oh, and you yes. just kind of like shove it into place. And she didn't do that. She did, None of her parts of her story really feel that way. Like everything she makes true. sense as to how they fall into place and how the characters end up. So it, it man, 
<laughs> more disciplined than I. <laughs> she really stayed true to the characters. Like, I, I know that that's something we all struggle with, but she unflinchingly stayed true. And I thought that was brave. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Honor. Yeah, she honorable writer. <laughs> She's an honorable writer. But, you know, it's funny. Another thing that really caught me about her and how she writes is her choice of words. <sighs> Just like that snippet that Doodle read earlier. You can tell her words are chosen deliberately. The things that she did, she tied through the story. And it was very poignant. It made certain things just always stand out. The, the one of the things that always stuck out with me is that the, she always describes when the painted lady is speaking and she's speaking to a criminal or to somebody they're going after, her voice is described as like corpses in dry grass or corpses in the river or you know being dragged over the rocks or something like that. And it's this very counter image of what the character's feelings are. So, I mean, like, you think about, we were just talking about with Katara, she doesn't want death. She she feels like this need and she feels this guilt over the bloodshed, even though she wants, in some ways, enjoys the act of it. She feels this guilt. And yet everything about her is reminiscent of death and bloodshed in that role. And it's just, it, the, the way she uses these words, it just, to me, it was such a... Um, they're gut punches. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, yeah, it. I guess that's why man, she's kudos. called the pain Ted lady. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. There's Doodle's right. good old jokes. <laughs> we missed them. <laughs> yeah. Bye. <laughs> no, I mean, but like also like just the thought of it. It's a very, it's a very coming of age teenage experience, you know, like, and, and that is so imbued yeah. throughout the story you know the you know the new experiences the anger of young you know teenagers who are becoming young men and women just there as they try to find their place in the world decide who they are and what you know i i don't know i just i i couldn't help but feel that nostalgia and that poignance and it was very emotionally charged but in the best way you read each chapter just kind of sitting there going, I feel this ten times harder than I probably should. Like, it was really good. Yeah. Uh, so to steer away a little bit from our Zutara um, ship, um, I did want to make a comment on um, how amazing the other characters also uh, were treated in this story. Um and by amazing, I mean, like, put through hell as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so I really did appreciate that um, she made Ang kill Ozai in this story. Um, and in that little snippet where it says that Ang could not do it, but the Avatar, the Avatar Good. did. Like, because that was his job. He had to kind of give over to that Avatar duty that he had, which I think is what he should have done in the show. Um, and, and he had to kill Ozai. And then there's this very, like, emotional scene uh, towards the end of the story of him and Zuko and Aang just having to come to terms with the fact that he had to take a life and not, and it wasn't just any life, it was his friend's father. Yeah. Um, and he, and, and there's that, that magnificent bit where Zuko tells Aang that he's going to have to learn to forgive himself because 
Zuko already forgave him for having to do that. And I think it's such a... Again, it's it's the it's her leaning into the grit of the story and really showing to us the damage that this war, like not even the Avatar himself, hands clean, is un- yeah. can come out unscathed from this. Like there's just no possible way everyone is going to be affected by it, and I think that added to the character, it added to the story, and it it. Um, it didn't feel like a scapegoat. Like, they, Aang had to confront. Aang had to confront his destiny, and that's it. There was no way around it. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, I think I don't think that her narrative could have continued without having that happen. I think the story would have fallen apart if she hadn't pushed it. You know, because it, it, it is literally about Zuko and Katara murdering people, and to kind of give you know, Aang that pass would just have invalidated her entire narrative. And by the way, I think they like that's kind of what Bright did because you know Toph was killing those Dai Li agents oh my under goodness, Oh boy. Yeah. yeah, there was no uh no pulling punches. <laughs> no. no. That, that those are those are crushed organs, I can guarantee you that much. Sweetheart, they were <laughs> dead. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And you can't tell me that Aang himself didn't with the whole, you know, spirit thing in the invasion of the North. Come on. Yeah, highest body count of any avatar, I guarantee. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not as much as Kyoshi, but we had to cop out at the end. It was so out of character. That was so out of character. And quite honestly, you know, it's funny because you you talk about Aang. She didn't, you know, we read a lot of these fix, you know, and they take Aang and they just leave him as this pining, jealous kid. And she didn't do that to him, which I am exceptionally grateful for because she gave him the ability to still have a crush, gave him the right to still like Katara. But and Katara even admits at one point where I tried to kind of see if I'd have feelings, which I think we've all done that. And they just weren't there. And that right there is, you know, um, I think really what does it because we see that build up and we see him starting to become more of an adult starting to have to come to grips with just not everything's going to go the way that Aang wants, despite it being what Aang wants. And mm-hmm. she did that, again, t- tying in with what you're saying about Aang and having to kill the Fire Lord. Again, it's not what Aang wanted, but it's something he had to do. something he had to deal with. And that's mm-hmm. really awesome way she held it, handled it. it it's basically a, like happy endings don't exist after a hundred year war. They yeah. just don't. There's and always going to be casualty. Also, yeah. She also doesn't commit to a sad ending. I think if anything, she just says it's an ending. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then you find and out about the fact that she has is. a sequel. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh, no, we no, don't talk about, about this. That. There are no sequels in Boston. I mean, so just kidding. It's amazing. Everybody it should go but check it, it out. But like, so I, I saw so the sequel and I was like, I don't have time risk. for this. It hurts so much. It hurts so much. It's still not done. Which, by the way, nope. fiction, I'm only no staring at you with love and affection and a little bit of guilt. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm terrified. I am so scared. I love so you, but scared. I'm not reading it. Not till it's done and uh, you guys can safely assure me that it ends happily. Oh, God. Until then. No, I mean, it's it's great. I recommend it. But, like, yeah, definitely yeah. Uh, get your tissues. Yeah. Um, you oh, sit upon a, a throne mm. of lies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's painful. It's just the good kind of pain. Yeah. 
Well, ladies, it's really easy to tell how much we've all enjoyed this fic, and why it's joined the Hall of Pantheons for Zutara Classics, despite its relatively young age. If you, the listeners, haven't had the time to read this story, please go do so now. Just make sure you find the time to read it in one go. I guarantee you that you will not want to put it down once you've gotten started. Now, as a quick aside, uh, those of you who have been following some of our previous recommendations, one of the whips we reviewed has actually updated twice and changed ratings since we reviewed them. That's Forged in Flames by If You Were a Melody, and they have added two new chapters since we last reviewed, and the ratings have gone from T to M uh, for mild, and it is very tasteful smut. Um, but if you haven't been able to keep up, here's your friendly reminder to please go read. But now we're going to follow our theme and diverge from the path of fix. But it's only a relatively small change to the glorious world of art. Doodle? It's time to open the floodgates of fan art. So welcome back to Pig Pigs, you wonderful people. I am super stoked to be back and to gush about all the visual talent this fandom has to offer. Today we're going to be featuring two wonderful artists, Astrocitos and Cabbage Foam, also known as Advocat, which I'm sure a lot of you fandom elders have heard of. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Both have amazing season two AUs that we know all of you will love. So we're going to move first to... um, the piece by Astrocitos, or I mean, I think she's from Argentina. So Astrocitos, um, she is a fantastic artist that I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with as well. And because she has this super recognizable style. So this first piece is a season two AU at the Jasmine Dragon, which is very fitting for us. <laughs> it sure is. And so, yes, the two, it's two piece, well, two slides, and they're both like hella side eyeing each other at the tea shop in their uniforms. And one of the slides quotes, Lee, I see you've already met my new assistant, Hua Mei. <laughs> we don't see enough, they Lee sure Hua Mei. Have met. <laughs> you are so right, though, okay? I just need to like point this out that there is not enough season two tea shop AUs, okay? Granted, I am in the middle of writing one that went sour. <laughs> I love angsty fix, but there need to be more of them. I just, I live for season two. I don't know what it is. I just live for it. It was they just are, the right amount of time. angst. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's, a, it's an interesting time to see any diverging, you know, from the storyline. Yeah. Lots of hijinks. I love... So I just, I, I love this because... There's just so much left to the imagination of, like, what happened next? How did they feel about each other? Did they hate each other? Did they like each other? It, obviously, they liked each other. <laughs> There's just a lot. <laughs> it is and, the way. And f- from a technical point of view, I just want to go ahead and, like, Astrocitos does such a great job with, like, these nice warm lighting and setting up a really nice background and their expressions are just perfect. There's just a lot going on that I absolutely love uh yeah yeah this this is this is one of my favorites i've seen recently popping up and um she just has a way of capturing a certain emotion to things you know you know that that what proceeds after this is just full of the two of them you know making vague threats at each other and like 
you know, awkwardly commenting on something to try to catch the other one and, you know, do stupid stuff like that while they're having to work because they have to maintain a certain social decorum. Of course. (laughs) Salty comments, but then they realize, oh, it's actually... He's actually a decent person. Oh, I oh, just wait. No. <laughs> I, I just wait for the day that he disappears and has his, you know, personal crisis and disappears for a day or two, sick, and she's upset about it. That's when she realizes. She's worried. <laughs> um, oh. the, it actually oh, reminds me a lot of. Um, I think they're one shots. Quote me if I'm wrong, but um, quote me if I'm wrong. That's not a saying. <laughs> She was wrong. (laughs) Please quote my mistakes to me. (laughs) Anytime, anytime. Uh, English is my second language. Don't at me. (laughs) Uh, Get my idioms confused. We just do it. We're horrible at because English is our first language, and we still suck. Uh, Okay, so this actually reminds me a lot of. one shots whatever stories by baby fairy pekian and she did one called of um of sunlight and forgiveness and of tea leaves and starlight so there are two stories in the same universe and it is that katara uh, stumbles into the tea shop and stays and like a romance develops they're really wonderfully written y'all should go check them out because you know it might fulfill you know, the itch you get when you look at this and you want to know what happened. Well, I mean, there's also some older things. This has, like, been a, a trope in the fandom since the days of old. Uh, like, I oh, gosh, I want to say Rakasha wrote a few good ones about them making out in closets in the tea shop. I, there so was, I yeah. That. There was one that was like that um, just fairly recently I came by, too. Somebody had... You know, a little oh, no, more a of a mature trope. one. Oh, this is a classic trope, sister. Like, I, I might be wrong <laughs> And there about... was one bed. There was. Kind of like that, out. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. I might be wrong about the author, so do correct me if I'm wrong, doodle. Whatever, man. Whatever. <laughs> no, 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 we're going to quote you if you're wrong there. <laughs> yeah, just... Like... <laughs> Uh, yeah, just rub the shame in my face. Yeah. You do know that our, goes you know, around comes around. Yes, yeah, so we're we're not going to be immune to this. <laughs> oh, um, also, like target, small shout you. out to like medium hair length Katara. Yeah, I vibe with that. Yes. I just it's like not quite short hair Katara, but I, I like it. It's just a nice extra detail that I think sets it apart. Make her short hair, you cowards! Oh, oh, oh! I think I. Th- I think Astrocito does in one of her art. Yeah. And there's some really good ones by Bean oh. out there. Bean a Rooney. Bean does. Bean does. I know Pineapple Frenzy. Frenzy. Does yep. I mean? Yeah. Yep. They do a mean short haired guitar. Yep. Yep. Oh, yes. We and there was there right, was right, actually right. an artist that just posted one that had that. Had short hair guitar and long hair Zuko. I died. Mm. <clears throat> Sorry. Clearly, I need that... to jump on this bandwagon. <laughs> yes. And, that's, and you know what? Something. That is the perfect yes. dichotomy, okay? Short hair Katara, long, long hair Zuko. Zuko. It balances out. There is, you know, Peak. there is balance in the force. Peak. Peak across the board. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, send us fan art, please. If you're out there, send us fan art. We will yeah. never turn down we, fan we art. We just might feature you. <laughs> we may feature you. We ain't saying no. 
So if you are wanting to see more of Astrocito's art, please go follow them on Instagram. And their handle there is at Astrocitos underscore on Tumblr at Astrocito Art and Twitter as Astrocito underscore S. Please go check them out. They're oodles of amazing pieces. They also have a Kofi, Cafecito, and Redbubble if you would like to support them. More info can be found on her social media pages. So this second piece is by Cabbage Foam, aka Advocat, who not only is a talented artist, but also a writer. I'll just, like, be here, eternally jealous of people who can do both. <laughs> we love and hate you. Yes, uh, we, it really, truly, ugh. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> who, who gave you the right to have this much talent, honestly? They're too powerful. Uh, mm-hmm. So this work, again, is based on Fictionist Social Inquiries, Rumor Has It, which, if y'all have not read, as we've said already, you should, because it's an A-plus story, although it's rated M again, so, you know, proceed with caution. So, this one takes place at nighttime with a full moon in the background. Katara is sitting with her legs crossed on a windowsill of an old brick wall with the blue spirit next to her looking at the viewer. This is one of the classic rooftop vigilante shenanigan moments that, you know, happen all throughout Rumor Has It and that I personally love. Oh, yeah. And um, I just, I really like this piece. Cabbage Foam, like, they've got such a good handle on this, like, nighttime lighting that like in my opinion i think is very difficult to do and the colors are perfect for the setting and it just really brought to life like those little moments that i loved from the story um i am really curious as to when in the timeline this one is um the original post didn't say um if it's before katara knows it's zuko or after yeah Um, I personally really like the ambiguity. It's like, ooh, <laughs> well, what's going on in here? You can find that with the fact that she's smiling. It's like, okay, so is she smiling because it's the blue spirit? Or is she smiling because it's Zuko? Oh, ambiguity. No, I, my, head canon, my head canon is that it happens after. But mostly I just like the phrase vigilante shenanigan moments. Uh, it's perfect. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Many shenanigans. I wrote it myself. Thank you. I'm a writer and artist <laughs> There you go. You yep, are, there she you is, the powerhouse. Amazing. It's official. So Doodle is the powerhouse. <laughs> and also Ride. Y'all so talented. <laughs> and you teacup, yeah. says the lady who single-handedly scripted out the entirety of Tempest in a teacup. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. This is yeah. some really nice art. It's she, really she's, pretty. She, don't listen to her. <laughs> talent. Talent. I, talent. No. No. Stop. Stop. <laughs> so, ladies, what do you think? I loved uh, how how Zuko is in this. It's like like the, the casual bad boy, not interested pose, and that they, that's why I sit there yes. and think that maybe it's a little more before he decides to make his move on becoming, you know, you know, w- with the gang, because that was so end of, uh, beginning of book two, end of book one. Zuko, just that pouty, you know put out with life and screw you screw the world attitude and it's just that's what comes across loud and clear to me in this look it's just like yeah you know look at me the wrong way i'll cut you (laughs) do i kiss her or do i capture her i don't know (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> a little bit of both. Yeah. <laughs> I'll save you from the pirates. Oh, kitty. Oh, kitty. Sorry, but, I apologize if you hear cat. Cat meow. She, she has things to say. She wants <laughs> About Zutar. Let her speak. Like, I love it. It's Let amazing. <laughs> yes, she's being silenced by the Fire Nation. <laughs> <laughs> They'll never silence her. <laughs> I do really yeah, like how Katara is looking at Zuko in this because in the story, there is such a fascination with her before she knows that it's Zuko. Because she's trying to read him. Because obviously he's got the mask. He's covered up. She's trying to figure out, like, read any possible little thing about him to just get to know him better. And I I just, I really like the small details like that. That she just looks, I don't know, happy. It's her, I just, yeah. It gives me feelings, guys. I don't know. (laughs) It's the coloration. I I agree with you about the color. the, The way the nighttime lighting is. Oh, it's gorgeous. There's a really nice handle on it. Also, yes. can we just like take a moment to like admire that she like Katara's freaking barefoot? So you're telling me this whole time she's like like just taken out taking out criminals left and right with no shoes on. It's perfect. God. It's perfect. What a queen. No way. Uh-uh. Oh yes, uh-uh. you know. I, you, you know, know I can she sus- is. I can suspend my disbelief, you know, long enough to believe that people are bending elements, but I cannot suspend it long <laughs> enough to believe she's wearing. Sh- <laughs> she's going barefoot. No, she's not. That <laughs> was wearing shoes. <laughs> are you kidding? She grew up in the Southern Water Tribe, where she wore boots her whole life. Oh, there's like there's- zero calluses. Those are some. Yeah. Those are some royalty feet. Yeah, you're yeah. Right. <laughs> she got some royal princess feet. Okay. You're right. Oh, God. Okay. We're talking about feet. I hate feet. Uh, moving on. <laughs> oh, no. Anyway, no. I'm not going to say that. I mean, not to kink shame, kink shame anybody. Like, well, you do I you. mean, the running joke about when life sucks, just going to open up an OnlyFans for our feet. <laughs> uh-huh. That's right. Yes. We, we have discussed this. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So, again, love the piece. And you can find Cabbage Foam on Tumblr as Cabbage Foam and on AO3 and fanfiction.net as Advocat, spelled A-D-V-O-C-A-A-T. So, please go check out these awesome artists and show them some love because they freaking deserve it. And now I hand the microphone back to you, Ride. Thank you so much, Doodle. That was a great discussion and such a pleasure to really enjoy all these pieces with you guys. Now, normally we'd be breaking off for our rotational at this point, but we decided instead this week to spend the time that we would on that rotational discussing the news. There was just so much to catch up on and a lot to discuss. So that means, unfortunately, we're nearing the end, the final segment of our podcast, our teaser for the upcoming serial. And to top it all off, we are really nearing the end, folks. We've almost completed Tempest in a Teacup. Oh my god. Oh, this has been my baby. Oh, I can't see my baby go into the world. <clears throat> we just don't know what to do with ourselves. Uh, except start working on a new one. <laughs> so between now and our next podcast, we will be lining up for our newest serial, Half Asleep. If you aren't familiar with it, now is the time to go ahead and take a look. In the meantime, here's our snippet from the second to last segment of Tempest in a Teacup.
things prince zuko prohibits being done said or thought about ever again in order for certain individuals to remain on the ship number one bathing times will be decided according to each crew member's schedule rank and the ability to remember to lock the damn door when she's in there <gasps> number two no person on board has the authority to issue permission slips and any individual who presents one will have her ink supplies confiscated for a week number three no gambling with any civilians on board. Subset A. It's still gambling, even if she gives back the winnings. Number four. Nobody is allowed to ask for the day off due to religious purposes on the basis that Master Iroh got up before breakfast. It's a miracle. Number five. Nobody is allowed to shake anything their mother gave them while on duty or off duty when I can see it. Number six. Music night is a privilege, not a rite of passage. Number seven. Katara is forbidden to share ideas unless a chaperone is present. Uncle Iroh doesn't count. Number eight. The proper response to an official order is not, oh, you're just saying that to sound important. Number nine. Taking an officer's or a prince's belongings without permission is theft, not emergency acquisition for artistic purposes. Number 10. Only one person on board is allowed to wear a dress while on duty. She may not loan a dress to others, no matter what sort of bet was made and won or lost. Number 11. Any inquiry answered with, I've always wanted to try it, or why not, is a sign of prohibited activity. The miscreant in question is to be dragged out of wherever she has wormed her way in and escorted to her room. Number 12. The she of every she-is-not-allowed commandment issued applies to only one person on the ship, and she is no longer allowed to pretend ignorance of this. Number 13. No revolutions during dinner. Number 14. Armored rhinos are not to be taken out for walkies. Number 15. Anything involving live squid and a flute is definitely a bad idea. Number 16. A lap dance is not a valid form of currency, and certain crew members will stop exploiting the officers this way when bargaining at the market. I don't care if she thinks it's an untapped economic resource.
Number 17. Katara does not have the medical authority to prescribe naps. Number 18. It is better to beg forgiveness than to ask permission no longer applies to any female individual shorter than five feet. 19. Curiosity killed the cat and will get the girl locked in a trunk. Number 20. A good idea can only be labeled so by someone sane and non-blue-eyed. Things Katara promises not to do, say, or think about ever again in order to remain on the ship. Instead of being shipped back to the Fire Nation like a sack of cabbages. Number one. Zuko is a prince, not a princess. Two. You'd have to be mad to try it is not a permission for me to try it. Three. My sense of humor is not a medical condition. Neither is Zuko's lack of it. Four. I will not gamble with the crew. 4A. It's still gambling, even if I know I'll win. 5. I will not forge documentation granting me military rank. Ditto for the cat and the eel. 6. Serving tea to rhinos is a waste, not philanthropy. 7. I will not handle Zuko's sword. I will keep my hands off his equipment. 7a. I will not use the expression handle Zuko's sword in public or private. Ditto for his equipment. 8. How many damn travel songs do you know? Is not a request, apparently. 9. I may not let the cat take responsibility for any of my actions. 10. Anything involving live squid and a flute is probably a bad idea. 11. Lieutenant G's bunk is not for bouncing. 12. I will not write any more ballads about the infamous goat in the prince's bed incident. 13. I will not hold funerals for a rat. Even if the rat in question did, serve the ship to the best of its nature and ability. 14. Master Iroh's being the dragon of the west does not make Zuko the salamander of the west, two doors down and three inches up. 15. I will not introduce myself at port 
as the ship mascot. Sixteen. I will not declare Agni Kai challenges on the cat's behalf. Seventeen. I will not accept piggyback rides from anyone below the rank of lieutenant. Eighteen. Whatever happens on music night doesn't get discussed outside of music night. Nineteen. I will not adopt anything scheduled to be on the menu. That includes eels, shrimp, carp, and roots. Twenty. I will not ask any firebender on duty to play hot potato, no matter how much I want a snack. To all you lovely guests of the Jasmine Dragon Tea Hour, we are so glad you stuck around with us. It's such a pleasure to be back, and we can't wait to share with you all the new things that we have in store. Some of those new things include a change to our podcast schedule. Last year, we managed to drop a new podcast every other week. But unfortunately, due to life changes and the fact that none of us can literally bend energy, our podcast schedule will be moving to one episode per month. We will drop a new episode on the third Friday of every month, so you'll hear from us again on April 23rd. In the meantime, we'll be releasing the next installments of our serial on the first and second Friday of each month. That means that our next segment of Tempest in a Teacup will be available on April 9th, and the final installment of this beloved serial will drop on April 16th. While we're sad that this project is coming to an end, we are proud to announce that our next serial reading will be an excellent rendition of Crushinator's Half Asleep. Finally, I'll be the host of our next episode, so expect some spicy brews and excellent company. So mark that on your calendar, my good people. Our serials are the first and second Friday of the month, and the podcast episodes are the third Friday of every month. Now while we brew our next episode, please follow us at JDT Hour on Instagram, Tumblr, and Twitter for our latest updates and other Zutara-related goodies. So in the meantime... May your water stay warm, your tea leaves unburnt, and your pot unbroken. We'll see you guys again soon. Hi guys, my name is Sanjo Maz. I'm on Instagram and Twitter. I'm a fan artist and fanfic writer for mainly Zutara. I'm one of the OGs, I think, from 2007 and 2008. So I'm so glad that I stumbled upon your podcast. I think it's been a really big highlight for me this week. I just wanted to thank you for all the work you do and to also um, thank you for talking about Tempest in a Teacup because it's one of the fics that I just uh, finished reading. I personally just love it. It's one of my favorites because it, it highlights and explores Zuko and Katara as childhood friends. The fact that they're so intrigued by their differences and still learn to get along. And it also just implies that just because they're friends, they belong swimmingly all the time. I think that's just wonderful and very real. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for highlighting it. I think it, it was a really great uh, reading and commentary.